some of you will be old enough to remember the song, No Man is an Island. Some of you aren't. It was a song from the 60s. It was a very 60s, hippie-ish, kumbaya kind of song. No man is an island. No man stands alone. I can remember singing that at graduations in the high school choir. And yet a lot of us today, I think, try and live as if that song is not true. We live in a pretty individualistic culture that encourages people to go it alone, to be tough, to handle it on your own, to even if things are going on in your life that are pretty rough, don't act like it. Just take that all on yourself. The thing we wrestle with is do we really need people? Do we really need people around us? How important is that? Or are we supposed to handle life all on our own? The truth is relationships are like oxygen. We may not miss them till they're not there. But when they're not there, there's nothing else we can think about but oxygen. And the truth is it's the same with relationships. God created us like Him in His image. God is a relational being. We've talked about that. He exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a relationship. And the reality is He has created us as relational beings. We need that. We live, each of us lives in a web of relationships. We have the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. But it struck me in preparing this sermon, it takes a village to live life and handle what life deals us. If we try and handle life on our own, we are doomed to drown. We need those people around us. Relationships. Healthy relationships. We all have relationships. That's sort of unavoidable. But relationships are not automatically healthy ones. And we've probably all experienced relationships that are not healthy. For they can be painful. They can cause great distraught feelings in our lives. They can even be toxic and destructive. And we've seen such relationships. Because the reality is relationships, healthy relationships, don't just happen. They aren't automatic. They require work. They require effort. They require us investing ourselves if we want that village around us to help us handle life. And one of the lessons we are currently, I think, painfully learning is that relationships require more than just contact. Right now, with all of the social networking that is going on in our lives, we hear about how connected we are and how much contact we have with each other, with other people. The problem is, we can be in contact with people. We can be Facebook friends. We can share tweets with each other or send Instagram pictures. 
We can have connections, but if we are not careful, we will mistake that for deep relationships. And so many of those relationships are so temporary, so surface, they're not really that web of relationships we need. So what does it take? What does it take to have healthy relationships, these web of relationships that we need around us? One of the things that we have to realize before we look at any biblical principles is what I've said, my relationships are my relationships. And what I mean by that is that nobody else can fix my relationships. I have to take ownership of those relationships around me that I'm a part of. And that's not a popular concept today, is it? We want somebody else to fix what's not right in our lives. We want somebody else to fix that relationship. Somebody else to solve that problem, to heal that pain. We want somebody else to do that. Yes, certainly relationships are mutual. And I can't take sole responsibility for all the relationships around me. But I do need to take responsibility for my part of those relationships. I need to take enough responsibility so that when we look at the principles that we're going to begin looking at today, I realize there is some duty on my part to do my part. To take responsibility for that which I need to be contributing to the relationships in my life. We each have to take that part. And so to understand about these relationships that are so important to us, we're going to begin today looking at one another's. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that phrase, one another, occurs 85 times in the Bible. 85 times in 83 different passages. That's a lot of one another's. You see, God's Word is all about relationships. Because one another is all about relationships. God is relational. He made us that way. He understands how important our relationships are to our well-being. The impact we have on others through those relationships. And so He has given us in His Word a, a wealth of guidance, information, teaching, on relationships. These one another's help us see how we should view others, the attitudes we should have towards the others around us, the value we should place on them, how we should treat others, what we should do towards others, and what we should not do. Basically, how to have healthy relationships. And it's not just about the relationships that we might first think about, marriage or our family, the home we live in. These one another certainly apply to that. But these are not just passages for marriage or families. There are passages about how we treat our friends, how we treat our co-workers, all of that web of relationships around us every day. 
A lot of them are specifically aimed at how we as Christians treat each others in the church family. Because God knows how important these relationships are. And the scheduling of this sermon was set weeks before we stand here today grieving for the loss of a close brother. And yet on this very day, how we see the importance of these relationships. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. We need those relationships. Especially in the church family where we are all called by the same Savior claiming the same Father. That we might model for each other and for a world watching us what it means for us to have these close relationships in God's family. We may not have had it in our biological families. We may not have it in the workplace. But at least in God's family, we can have such healthy relationships. So this summer, we're going to look at 13 one another's. Different concepts that God gives us, most of them in the New Testament, many of them from Paul. But advice about here's how you relate to each other, these one another's. We're going to look at one each week. God's wisdom on healthy relationships. And today we begin with, I think, the first one, the basic one. In a sense, it is the glue or the foundation for all the other one another's we're going to look at. And that is love one another. We have to care about the people around us. This is a love that goes way beyond marriage or family. It is a concept that we have to care about those around us in that web of relationship we all have. That's the underlying message of Jesus in this love one another. The first passage that I want us to look at today is John 13 where Jesus uses this phrase. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I want to draw two things out of that. First of all, it's interesting that Jesus says, a new command I give you. And at first, to me, you say, well, wait a minute, this isn't new. But I think what Jesus is trying to point out is that the love he calls us to have towards those around us is not normal. It's way beyond normal love. Because normal is that it's really about me. This relationship, what can you do for me? Sort of, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And a lot of our focus in relationships can easily become, what's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? And what Jesus says, I want to take your relationships to a new level, a new command I give you. You put your focus on them. Love one another, care about them more than yourself. And he clarifies that so we can't miss his point by what he says at the end, as I have loved you. You want to know what it means to love one another? Jesus says, watch. Watch. 
just as the point Justin made in his communion meditation, we're not faithful. We're all like Peter. We sin, we blow it. And Jesus says, I'll still die for you. I'll still love you. I'll still help you. Not because you deserve it. And certainly not for what it's in for me, Jesus says. But I care about you. And so he says, even though you don't deserve it, I will still die for you. I care about you. I'm concerned and focused on what you need. He says, that's what I mean when I call you to love one another. Paul says the same thing. Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Those of you who have um, taken financial peace, I have bad news for you. You can't get out of debt. I'm kidding. I mean, he teaches that. But Jesus says, Paul says, we have one outstanding debt we can never pay off. And that's the debt to love one another. Something I owe, an obligation, a commitment. I signed on the bottom line. And Paul says that's the one thing we have, we owe one another. That we will love one another. And then he has an interesting thing because that's how we fulfill the law. Now what passage jumps into your mind? The debt to love one another and it fulfills the law. What struck me is Jesus in Matthew 22, where he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, well, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. But there's a second like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, in these two commands, they capture the entire law. Jesus says the same thing Paul is saying. You want to please God? You want to do right? You want to fulfill the law? Love God and love your neighbor. Love one another. That's what we are called to do, and that is what is the foundation for revolutionizing our relationships. If we begin with that commitment, to love those around us, to care about them. Now, what will that look like? How do, we, how do we love one another? Well, it begins, first of all, I don't think in our actions, it begins in our attitude, our perspective that's on the inside. It's learning to see those others around me and realizing they are important. They're important to me. So that we notice them and we stop and take our eyes off of ourselves and we put our eyes on what's going on in their lives. Have you ever had those conversations or watched those conversations where maybe with you but maybe just two people and somebody shares some terrible news and the other person just goes on as if they'd said, oh, it's a nice day. And it's like, what, what, did you hear what they just said? What's going on in their life? And, and you're just going on? But that's pretty common, isn't it? 
We can get so wrapped up in ourselves and what's going on in our lives, our priorities, our worries, our frustrations, whatever is going on, that we don't take time to look and listen to those around us. We stop caring. We don't love one another. To love one another is to begin by slowing down and getting our eyes off of ourselves and trying to listen to what's really going on. And to understand. We may not have answers, but we notice the situations around us. That word empathy. Walking in somebody else's shoes. And understanding, because that is where loving one another begins. As I get my eyes off of myself and I try and understand what's going on, and once that happens, you see, it changes what I say and do. Because now I'm not just acting and saying things out of what I want. I'm realizing that what I do or what I say is going to have an impact on you. And I start asking myself, what can I say that would help you? What can I do that would come along beside you because I care about you? And I want to help you where you're at in life right now. And I know you can see how that would begin to have a ripple effect of transforming all the relationships around us. Can you imagine at work where people saw this focus of well, what's going on in your life? How can I help you? It's okay, let's stop and talk. I know you're in a tough spot. I want to listen. In our world today, that's going to sound like somebody speaking Martian to a lot of folks. But they're social too, and that's the greatest longing they have, is for somebody to care. And to not just care in words, but care in doing things. Whether that's listening, whether that's helping. It also becomes a filter of what I don't say and don't do. If you're like me, the greatest reflexive tendency in my life is to speak first and think later. Act first, think about it later. But you see, if I care about others, I'm going to force myself to slow down and say, this is what I want to say, but what effect will that have? What will they hear? What will this do to them if I say that? And I start to do some self-filtering because I want to love one another. And that will also affect what we do. Because there's some things we may want to do out of our emotions or our anger or our hurt or whatever. We'll feel better. But if we care about one another, we're going to stop and do one more check. Yeah, I want to do this. But if I do this... What are they going to feel? What's it going to do to them? How will they perceive this? What message will I be sending to them? And is that really the message I want to send? See, love one another is all around us in all our relationships, and it will make a huge difference. And here's the surprise promise that Jesus gives us 
over in Matthew. Oh, there we go. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And that's the wonderful promise of Jesus. I, I don't know of a better way to describe losing one's life than to spend it loving one another. And, and our first reaction might be, but, but, but what about me? Who, who's going to care about me? What about all that? But Jesus' promise is, and he lived it this way, if you'll get your focus on it off of, it's all about me. And instead, spend your life loving one another, caring about others, losing your life. Guess what? You will find a life that truly works. And you'll end up being blessed backwards. Not because you focused on me, but you spent your life caring for one another. And of course, Jesus, who lives in triumph now at the right hand of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, Philippians 2 says, because he was willing to be a servant and leave heaven and die on a cross, therefore God has given him the name that is above every name, that every knee will bow. Why? Because Jesus was willing to live loving one another. And he says offers us that same promise. Lose your life. Love one another. And you won't lose. You'll be blessed with a web of relationships around you that will be there because you've cared. You've loved. Let's pray. Father, I, I just so appreciate you and Jesus because you don't just teach us to do things or give us theories or principles. They're how you live and Jesus, how you showed us when you came to earth. You loved one another. You lived the most caring life we've ever seen. And we've said we want to follow you. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. Well, help us follow you by caring for one another. In all that web of relationships around us. Help us fight the, the selfishness of this world and, and the selfishness Satan urges upon us. And help us lift our eyes and like Jesus, care for those around us. Help us learn how to love one another. In Jesus' name.